0: I'm glad you're here. Whether you're returning and you've been part of what we've been talking about with this whole authentic masterpiece, or whether this is your first time of you stepping in and, and giving us an opportunity to be able to share the, the love of Jesus with you, I'm so glad you guys are here for this. This journey that we've been on has been a journey for us to be able to see ourselves the way that God sees us, that, that for us to be able to have the value that we apply to ourselves based on the value that God gives to us. And so we've been looking at this and we started this whole idea with, well, let's just keep it real. Let, let, let's get a little vulnerable. Let's keep it it real and how can we be authentic as people? And so we we started by sharing these three thoughts that that in order for you to to be authentic, how, how do we get to this place where we could be authentic? That we have to learn to accept our limits. That we all have limits. We all have things about us. Where we're kind of like, oh, I wish I could, and I wish I had. And, and these, these limits that we have been given. And, and so we have to learn to accept our limits and be okay with that we are a limited edition. That that's how God created us, and He created us with limits. That, that we looked at being authentic and said, hey, we've got to embrace our gifts. That, that if we're going to be authentic, that, that not only do we go, hey, I need to accept my limits, but I need to embrace. My gifts, well, how is it that God has gifted me? How is it that, that God has done things to me, whether they're talents, skills, abilities, that I would embrace them and that I would use them for a way that's going to bring glory and honor to Him and that I would be able to find fulfillment because of the way that He has given me gifts and I'm going to use them. And the third was that I need to see myself the way that God sees me. And that's what we would do. We wouldn't go, oh, I looked in the mirror, I see how I see me, and so no, that's how I'm going to sign my... Vet. No, if we're going to be authentic. And we're going to see that we are a masterpiece that we have to begin to discover and look at and see ourselves the way that God sees us. And see, here's the thing, that, that God God doesn't make mistakes, that He doesn't make mistakes. And this God that doesn't make mistakes, we need to trust Him. And so after we looked at this, this last week, we looked at this whole idea of discovering your value. And so we talked about what, what are these three practices that, that, that promote this whole idea of authentic identity. So the, the what, is, what are these things that we could be doing, these practices, that's going to promote that, that there is this authentic identity? And so the first one is that we would recognize. Just gave you three one words, but, but, but that we would recognize. Well, what do we need to recognize? It's a big thing that we need to recognize. We need to recognize that our identity is something that we discover, not something we create. That we, would discover, that, that we would discover that this identity that God has made us, and he made us on purpose, with purpose, for purpose, that, that we would discover this, and that we would discover our identity, and we wouldn't be out there just trying to create ourselves. The second thing is that, that we would be people that not only would we come along and we go, okay, God, I know what you want me to do, and I know that you want me to recognize this, but I also need to be somebody that I, what, that I, I respond and what is it that I'm supposed to respond to? What, what's it, what is this? This practice that's going to promote this authentic identity is that I would respond, and I would respond to Christ's love. That, that, that He loved me, He gave Himself for me, and that He did that so that He could redeem me and, and, and make me who God wants me to be. That I would respond to that. And the third was rest. That, that we would be people that we would rest, that we would find rest and, and not just settle for getting, getting some sleep at night at times. That's one way that we need to get rest. We need to be well rested there. But that we would also find rest, that we would within our routines, that, that we wouldn't just be going, 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 burning, 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 that we don't find rest. And it's in the rest is where we begin to discover some of who we are and who God's created us to be. That we as people that we won't really know who we are until we know whose we are. And so we've got to rest, and we've got to find and discover, okay, God is our creator. God made us. I'm, I'm his. And that's where we're going to find identity. So today we're going to pick this up, and we're going to talk about becoming like Christ. Becoming like Christ. Now, now that, that thought might be a, a, a difficult thought, you might be somebody that you're kind of like, I'm a little familiar with who this Jesus Christ guy is. And you might be somebody that you're like all in on who Jesus is. And you're going, become, I could never become like him. He, he, he was perfect. And he, he's, he's God and man. I could never become like him. But yet, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do all that we can. We'll never be God. But we need to become like Christ in his attributes, and his actions. And, and that we would be like him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And so when it comes to being a masterpiece, we're not just a masterpiece. We, we, we are God's masterpiece. And if we're going to become like Christ, that means that, that we've got to be moldable. We, we've got to be shapeable. That, that would make us what? That, that we are a moldable masterpiece. That that's what we are. That, that, that we're not just an authentic masterpiece, but we're a moldable masterpiece. And, and God has been working on molding us as people ever since the beginning of creation. It's not something that he just started after he sent Jesus to come to us. It's not just a concept that we find in our New Testament. We find it in our Old Testament, the time before Jesus came. In fact, we're going to look at a passage together here that shows us that that we are a moldable masterpiece. It's found in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26. And so God's speaking, Ezekiel's writing the, the words of God. And he says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That, that, that God was doing heart surgery. He was, he was doing a heart transplant. And he was doing it then and he still does it today. And it's not that they're transplanting this, this physical heart. But when we begin to look at this and see that the lesson here, that that, that our our inner emotions and thoughts that we have within our heart, they they can be so stony and cold at times and not responsive to God, that He takes and He replaces that with a soft, moldable, tender heart. And He puts His Spirit in us. And, And when He does this, it's so that we would be willing to follow what he has laid out for us for all of our days. And when our hearts respond to God, we will become more Christ like. But, but we have to have a heart that, that responds to him. And it's why he's willing to take out the, that cold, stony heart and replace it with a tender heart. So, so there we get to see that in, in the Old Testament, God was doing that. But see, we also get to see what he's doing when we look into our New Testament, the time since Jesus was here. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we see this for we are God's masterpiece. That Paul, he's writing this, he's wanting everybody to know listen, God, God created you as a masterpiece. That the way that you frame up who you are, you need to understand that you are a masterpiece. Don't settle for a throwaway frame. You are God's masterpiece. But he goes on. He says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That that he comes along, he does something new in us. He creates us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. That when God created you, 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 every single one of us, when he created you, he created you with something in mind. He created you on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. He created you, and He has things that He has in store and planned for you to do. And He planned it a long time ago that we are a masterpiece. And so we need to understand that we are His masterpiece. And so, Jesus, while He was on earth, He, he was asked a question. And this question that He asked is one of the most memorable questions that, that He was asked. And the question was What's the greatest commandment. What, what is it? You know, when, when you look at them, and, and you might be thinking, oh yeah, that's right, there's those 10 commandments. So, so he's going, what, what's the greatest? Well, in their culture, they knew a lot more than just the 10 commandments. In fact, it depends on how you count them. Some people have only counted 611. Other people have counted 613. But, but when we look in our Old Testament, there's this Levitical law, and it's got all these commands. And, and there, that's a lot of laws, a lot of commandments from God. And so somebody asked Jesus, hey, what's, what's the greatest command? You know, I don't know if it was, you know, one of those young Jewish students who's like, I'm having trouble learning all of these. <laughs> Can you just give me one? And, and, and so he gets asked this question, and this is, this is how he answered it. We're going to look at, at Mark's version of this, Mark 12, chapter 30, I'm um, chapter 12, starting in verse 30. He said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength that that when you look at that even if you don't remember all four of those pieces there's nothing left about who you are that 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 with everything about you and who you are all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength that's everything there's nothing left that's what you need to love God with and 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 you do it with, with all of who you are in all aspects but he didn't stop there. Remember, he's asked the question, what, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't stop there. He said this, verse 31. The second is equally important. He didn't say, and, and, and the second, it's, it's, it's really close. To the it's right there. He go, it's equally, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these, these two. There's no other commandment that's greater than these. How do we sum that up? We sum it up like this. Love God, love people. That that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we're We're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love people. That's what we would do. And, and, and so this is, it's the greatest commandment. So if we're going to become like Christ, that we need to understand, hey, what is it that Christ knew? And he knew this. He knew that we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love people. And not only did he say have, that we're supposed to love people, he told us how we're supposed to love them. And for some of us in the room, that, that, that how, that, that's a little difficult. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting because I think we're going to have people that that they're going to fall in two different areas here. There's going to be some people that where they're going to land with this, they're going to be like, "Um, I I think they deserve to be loved more than I love me. There's going to be some people here that you're so down on yourself and who you are as an individual and as a person, you're like going, "I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. They need to be loved more than I love me. And then there's going to be some people in the room that, that they might be at a place that's like, yeah, I can love some people, but I don't know if I can love them as much as I love me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I kind of, I'm in love myself. myself. You know, I, you know all the things I do for me? What, you want me to do that for them too? I mean, it, it, we just land in, in two different places as we look at this. But if we're going to become more like Christ, that, that we've got to be able to understand, hey, how, how do we embrace even loving ourselves? That we've got to get to a place where we don't overinflate who we are, but we don't underinflate it either. That, that, that we find that place that we're a masterpiece, and not because of, of we're going to walk around and think we're all that, but, but we're going to be humbled by it. You know, humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. That, that you don't get consumed with always thinking about you and who you are and what's in it for me. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And when we become more like Christ, that that we begin to take this on and understand it. That the the whole New Testament, when we look at it, that the the whole New Testament keeps pointing us to how can we become more like Christ? It's urging us on to become more like Christ. Let me share two passages with you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Now that Paul, as he's writing this, he didn't give birth to them in the first place. But but what he did do is he led them to Jesus. Jesus. He shared with them who Jesus is, and he showed them how Jesus wants to have a relationship with them. That's how they can have a right relationship with God. And he showed them this, and they became Christ followers through his missionary efforts and journeys that he was on. And so he looks at it and says, hey, I gave spiritual birth to you is how he's looking at it. And he feels like he's going through labor pains all over again until what? Until they become fully developed, until they they fully develop like Christ. That's where they would become more like Christ. He also wrote to a different group of people, the same guy, Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. What is that? That we would become more like Christ. That's what he said, to to become more like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We were created... With a destiny and a destination in mind. That both. We, we were created with a destiny and a destination in mind. That the, the, the destiny is, is, is that we would have a relationship with God through Christ. That the, the destiny is that we would become like Christ, that we become more like Him. That the destination is, is eternity in heaven. That we were created with a destiny and a destination in mind. But neither of these are forced on us. That, that, that both of these are something that we have to choose. And it's an all or nothing proposition. <laughs> that, that, that if we're going to get to the destination, heaven, then we have to embrace the destiny and become like Christ. We have to know Christ. That that, that if we're going to be able to become like Christ, then if we get to there, then we're going to get the destination. They're inseparable. It's an all or nothing proposition. And you become more like Jesus when he becomes what you center your life around. That that you center. Another way that that this gets said is, is that you would make him first and, and and that works and that's okay if you want to put it that but but maybe another way to think about that is just centering everything I'm just going to center everything around my, I'm going to make that my center I'm going to keep centering myself you know the circles that we run in play a significant role in our beliefs and our behaviors that they do, it, there's just a circle that the community we find ourselves in, the people we hang out with, plays a significant role in our beliefs and our behaviors, that we become more like the culture that we're following. I, I think about when, when I first had this conversation about college with my kids. As I first began to have this conversation, they, they were young. Noah was six or seven, Mary's two years behind him. And so they, they were just young. And I started having this conversation about college with them. And, and, and I knew that, that I would want my kids one day to pick a college that, that was conservative. Just because Cheryl and I were, were, were very conservative people. We're conservative spiritually and what we believe about the Bible, and we just kind of take it and trust it at face value. We're we're, we're spiritually, we're we're conservative uh, politically, we're conservative morally, we're conservative financially. We're we're just pretty conservative people. And and so we we wanted to make sure that, that our kids, that they would go to a conservative school. It's just one of the things that, that we wanted. And since I decided that uh, if we're going to pay the bill, that we're going to have a say on where it is that you're going to go. And, and, and one of my parenting mistakes that I made was that I told our kids that young that, that mom and dad, we're, we're going to pay for your college. <laughs> that was a mistake. Now, let me tell you the, the real mistake of that for me. The mistake isn't that we decided that we were going to pay for their school. That wasn't the mistake. The mistake was that we told them that we were going to be paying for their school because it kind of sucked out all of the motivation for them to do everything they could to get the most scholarships that they could, right? And so, hey, if, if, if that's a mistake I made that you can learn from if you're young enough and, and, and you can do something about that, I certainly would encourage you to do something about that. So anyway, so, so when it comes to our kids, that, that as our kids were growing up, we didn't homeschool them. We didn't put them in a, in a private school. We sent them into the public school. And, and we wanted them to be a light for Jesus as they went in to the public school. And the decision we made is not necessarily right for everybody, but that's just the decision that we made and what we were doing. And so we we're confident in that choice that we made. But, but as they're going to be heading into college, that I know that, you know what, during these most formative years, when you have more freedom than at any other time in your life, I want to have a say in, 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 in where you're going to go. And so as I started having this conversation with them, I told them that there was one school that they would not be allowed to go to if I was going to pay the bill. That There's this, this one school, and I'm going, hey, this one? It's it's awful. Get it out of your mind. And so over the years, we just kept reminding them of that. We didn't need to, but we just did. We didn't want it to be forgotten. You know that, that that's what. And and this one school, this school, we weren't against this school because we're going. Um, we've got this whole sports rivalry thing, and there's just no way that you're going to go to that school. It wasn't a sports rivalry thing. We we didn't say hey this one hey the. the, the they don't really academically challenge people. And so you get, it, that wasn't the reason either. They certainly do a good job at academically challenging people. The, the, the color of their school, although that might have been a reason to not pick it. I mean, burnt orange. I mean, who? <laughs> who picks that as a color they like unless you have a school that is related to that. I mean, nobody would go, burnt orange, I love the color. But once you start loving the school, the, the color just follows, right? And so so for us, this is just something that we were against. It, listen, I know there's people, I've already seen the horns in here. I, I know there's some people <laughs> in the room that, that you went to UT or you love UT or your kids are going to UT or they're going to go to UT. And, I'm not going. Hey, anything that went to UT, you know, hey, you're 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 doomed. You're going to hell. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that, right? In in fact, we actually have some ministry leaders that went to UT. So I want you to know I'm not that harsh against them. But it was a place that I did not want my kids to go to. Not just the school itself was a reason but also the community that the school's around. And there are just some some values that are happening there that I'm just going, during these most formative years, I want to be protective. So Noah's senior year. Hey, Dad, can we talk? (laughs) Sure, son. I want to apply to UT. (laughs) He had not forgotten... I mean, he knew what he was asking. I, I, I want to apply to UT. Now, I responded the way that you would expect a preacher to respond. Well, let me pray about it. <laughs> and, and I did, but let me, let me tell you how I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray, God, get that thought out of his mind. I mean, I, you know, I, that, that's how I wanted. I wanted to pray like that but I didn't, and I said, God, I, I don't know what's going on, and you know, if, if it's your will, and you, this is something you want him to go, and I'm just thinking in my mind, okay, well, may, maybe, maybe he's going to find community where he needs to, and, and maybe, maybe he's going to go and be an influence in a place where you just want, and I'm, maybe you're doing something in his life, maybe you're calling him to something, and so I, I get some peace that I'm willing for him to apply. <laughs> Not go, but but I've got some peace. I'm willing for him to apply. So so a few days pass and I, I call him in and we we meet and we talk and and I said Noah, I prayed about it and if you'll pray about it and you have peace, I'm I'm willing for you to apply. My kids know I'm pretty particular with my words and, and they know, okay, he only said apply. I mean, but but that's, that's all I could do. That's all I could offer at that point. So I followed up with him a couple of weeks later and I said, where, where are you at? He goes, well, I prayed and I've got peace. But I've decided I don't want to go, which gave me some peace. <laughs> so... We have two kids, and both of our kids are in college. So where did they end up? Well, I got a picture to let you see where they ended up. So, yeah, so that's, that's our son Noah. He's 20 years old. He's a junior in the Corps. And, and, and there's our daughter. She's 18 years old. She's a freshman there at A&M. And so, so I, I tell you all of this. You know, why, 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 I didn't need you to bash on my school. Why, why are you talking? I told you all of this to say this that the community and the people that we surround ourselves with, they have a significant role in shaping our beliefs and our behavior. And I'll be the first to admit that that at the University of Texas, that that you can go there and there's going to be some godly organizations, there's some godly people, and and, and there's ways for you to go there and and even grow in your faith. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But I wanted my kids to go where that wasn't going to be such a rarity and 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 where they were going to be going into a place where they were going to be less tempted during these formative years and so that's why I did not want them going to UT and so so as we made our decisions about where we would and wouldn't want them to go. Because everything we were doing, we were thinking about the influences that would happen on their lives as they first have some freedom like they've never had before. And it's knowing that the, the culture that we surround ourselves with, the community that, that we find our relationships with, plays such a significant role in our beliefs and our behaviors. And so that is why we were really protective with what we were doing here. And it's why we as parents were were protective of of the friendships that our kids have because we know that that community and that culture that they tend to follow is what they tend to become more like. So That's what we've got to do when it comes to becoming like Christ. What is it that we could be doing? What is it we should be doing? so that we can become more like Jesus. There, there's, this, there's this passage in the Bible that, that it's, it's one of these passages that's kind of like, what, what wait, what, Je- Jesus said that? And so I, I want us to look at this. It's in John chapter 16, verse 7. And, and Jesus is talking and he says, it is best for you that I go away. And when you look at that, it's kind of like, what? Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to these 12 guys that he's been doing life with for three years and pouring into them and pulling them along and letting them be part of the significant things that he was doing. And he says, it's better. It's best for you that that I go away. When when you look at that, some of you guys should be taking note of that because that's a great breakup line, you know? (laughs) I, I, I like the Bible now. That's good, you know. The, 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 you look at this. It's like what Jesus? What do you say? It's best for you that I go away. Well, why would Jesus say this? Look at this. Jesus left us. See, it's it's best for you that I go away. Jesus left us, and when he left us, when you see this, Jesus had to leave so that we could receive that he had to leave so that we could receive. And so when we look at this whole thing, it's best for you that I go, Jesus left us. We're going to look at three things that he left us with. Jesus left us with his word. It's one of the things he left us with. The, the, New, Testament, the New Testament wouldn't be, the New, the New Testament wouldn't exist if Jesus hadn't come and left us. But he left us and he left us with his word. That The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are books that deal with the life and the times of Jesus. These have so many words. If you have a Red Letter Edition Bible, they're in red because it's the words of Jesus. There's so many words in red, these things that Jesus said. This is the number one indicator of spiritual growth. I'm going to give it to you. The number one indicator of spiritual growth is people who spend time in God's Word on their own. It's the number one indicator of spiritual growth. It's great to come to church, and I don't want to discourage you. In fact, I wish I had a gold star to give to every single one of you because you made it to church today. It's a good thing to do. It's just not enough. That we can't, become like Christ to the level and degree that he wants to become like him, if the only thing that we do is we come and we sit in a row every now and then, maybe even if you just come and sit in a row every week, it's just not enough. It's something good to do. It's something we should be doing. But it should just be one of the pieces of what we are doing. I, I spent years in ministry before I ever read the Bible in its entirety. I had read many parts of the Bible many a time but I was in ministry for years before I ever took the time to read the Bible in its entirety. And we do, we, we, we need to get into God's word. Jesus left us and he left us with his word. And so I want to give you two tips on how to read the Bible. There's two tips. When you're out there and you're going to read it on your own, two tips. The first tip is read for relationship, not for knowledge. Don't Don't don't, don't sit there and try to buzz through the words and through the pages by going, I just need to know and I'm just trying to consume or I'm just trying to hit a checkbox that says, hey, I read read God's Word today, I read the Bible. Read for relationship. Read for discovering more of who you are and discovering more of who God is and, and read for this. Read for relationship, not for knowledge. The second tip is embrace the season you are in. for some of us in the room we're at a place that we've got a little bit more free time than what we used to have we got a lot more time for some in the room we're like going time there's spare time we're going we we just don't we don't have where, where, where do we where do we get that so, so let's embrace the season we're in to be able to figure out how can we spend time in God's word and, and so it's a way for us to begin to, to read the Bible. And so <clears throat> I'm going to ask that everybody would pull this out. I'm not going to beat you up for it. I'm not going to discourage you. In fact, I'm going to use it as a tool with you. But, but if you guys would all pull your phones out, and, and, and if, even if you don't want to play, you can just kind of like pull it out and just be like, okay, whatever, you know. But, but just, just pull your phone out, you know. And, and, and so from here on, I don't even know if you're even going to follow with what I'm going to do. But, but I'm going to give you something to text. And what I'm going to give you to text is I'm going to give you, you should text 555-888 and text the keyword WORD 247. And what that's going to do is it's going to give you a link of where you can go to find some resources to get into God's Word. That, that many of you, you guys might even already have a Bible on your phone. And, and, and that's great and it's, it's a great resource. And, and, and that is, and, and we've got that for you. Many of you go, yeah, that just doesn't, do, I really need something printed and, you know, but I need something I can understand. We've got that on there too and how you can find, hey, how can I get, how can I get that? We've also got on there, hey, how can I do some devotionals? Where's where, where some, where's some places I could, I could start, okay? And, and, and then we've got something else and this really has to do with embrace your season. We've got on there a place where you can go get an audio Bible for free. And part of embracing your season might be, you know what, I I don't see how I have extra time right now. But you find yourself in your vehicle and alone. You could be using that time to getting into God's Word. And and not only just listening to the Bible, but we've got a link on there for you where you're going to find you can have audible devotionals. Where, where people are helping guide you through and helping you understand and connect the dots on, on some of these passages in Scripture. And so it's, it's just a great resource for you so that you can be somebody that you can become more like Christ, knowing that He left us and He left us with His Word. Well, not only did Jesus leave us and leave us with His Word, but Jesus left us with His Spirit. That, that there was an exchange, that that the Spirit of God wasn't going to come and dwell in and among men in the way that it would, in the way that it does now, until or unless Jesus was going to leave. That He had to leave so that we could receive. And so Jesus left us, and He left us His Spirit. When we become a Christ follower, when we bow the knee of our heart, and we begin to trust Jesus as our Savior... The Spirit of God now no longer just tries to have this outward influence onto our lives and and is calling on us for us to respond to, but the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us as a believer. And and that Spirit of God that lives inside of us, that that He begins to lead us and guide us and convict us at times, urges us, challenges us, even comforts us, the Spirit, because Jesus left us with His Spirit. And, and so we need to find, how, how, do we, how do we make sure that we're having this, this ongoing conversation and where we get to grow in our relationship with God? And, and one of the best ways that God speaks is through His Word. And so let's not just settle for prayer where we're just constantly talking to God, but let's make sure we're getting in His Word and, and we're listening to Him. He's got the Spirit inside of us, so now let's feed that Spirit. Let me share with you this passage in the Old Testament out of First Kings chapter 19. It involves this prophet Elijah, and he's pretty down right now. He's he's discouraged that he looks around and goes, hey, there's no other prophet of the living God, and I'm I'm left all alone. Where where is anybody else? So let's look at what God does in this moment. Verse 11, God said, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake... There was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? This prophet of God, <clears throat> he's down, he's discouraged. He's telling God, I, I feel like I'm the only one left. So God tells him, hey, I want you to go and go, go out, and here's where I want you to be. And the Lord passed by him. No longer just talking to him, but passed by him. There's this wind came, and, and, and it was so strong, it, it shook the mountain. But God wasn't in the wind. The, the, the earth shook, and he could, he could feel the earth shaking. But God wasn't in the earthquake. That, that, that when you look at, at all these big, monstrous ways, that, that God wasn't in any of them, but then there was this gentle whisper. And that's what God was in. I think that all of us, one time or another, we're really wanting God to, to reveal himself and, and, and reveal himself in this big, grandiose way, this unmistakable way. And, and, and as we're praying, and you might be praying to somebody that, that you're not even convinced that, that Jesus is real, but you're still praying. You might be somebody that you are convinced that he's real, and, you're praying, and we ask God, hey, will you make it clear? And we, we want this clarity to be in this big thing. But sometimes... God's just going to reveal himself in a gentle whisper. And he left us with his spirit that would help us understand and discern that whisper so that we would be able to listen to it and we would follow it and in following it that we would become more like Christ. Jesus left us and he left us with his word. He left us with his spirit. And he left us with his church. That this is what he left us and he left us with. And and the church, it it isn't an event. It's not an activity. The church, it's not a building. For the church, in order for us to understand what the church is, the church isn't just a place to attend. It's a family to belong to. That's church. and, and, And we're part of the church. And anybody who's a believer in Jesus is part of the church. And when I think about becoming more like Jesus, when I think about Jesus' church, it's something that he lived for and it's something that he died for. In God's church, it's only seen as a building or an activity or an event by people that don't really believe and understand, people that aren't in a relationship with him. But for those who believe, you understand the church. It's a family that you belong to. You belong to the family of God. And that church, it's a family. It's a church that it encourages you to take your next step in, in becoming more like Christ. That the church family, that, that it's something that, that empowers you to take your next step in your relationship with Christ. That the church its something that equips you, that family that, that equips you to take your next step in your relationship with Christ. That, that we can't just settle for sitting in a row, but we've got to find ways that, that we get around where it feels like family and, and that we need to get in, in in smaller settings. Because there's probably been times that for some of you, when, when we're in here and somebody's up here teaching, that you're like going, man, can I, can I do this? I, I got a question. I don't understand. i got a question. You don't get to do that in here, but where can you do it? You can do it when you get into circles, when you get into smaller settings and smaller groups with people. And it's where you get to grow to become more like Christ. That, that our women's ministry bling, that they're having a study that, that starts this afternoon. And it's not super small. It's not super big. They've got 65 women that are, that are signed up to, to be part of this. And the, the women, they're going to come in, and, and, and through this, they're going to be able to become more like Christ. That they'll have that heart transplant and let a, their heart be moldable. That, that our men's ministry, that, that next week, that, that we're going to come back here, men, and, and I'm signed up. I hope you guys are going to be coming because we're having a steak night as men here. It's like, hey, that's enough reason to come, right? But, but, but that's not all. We're, we're, we're going to get community together as well. And, and, and we need this coming together. We, we, all, we constantly have our journey teams, our, our community groups that are coming together that way, where we can grow together, that, that we can begin to, to put ourselves in, in a community. We can put ourselves in a culture that is going to have the significant bearing on, on shaping our beliefs and our behaviors in such a way that, that it's prodding us and urging us and pulling and pushing us to become more like Christ. That Jesus, He had to leave so that we could receive. So let's receive what He's left us with and become more like Him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank You for being a God that that You are so engaged and involved in our lives. God, God for seeing our great need that that we we couldn't get to You. These rules and these commands, we just couldn't live up to. So you sent your son for us to, to, to pay for the price of our sins and, and to be able to create and make the way for us to have a right standing with you again. God, I pray that, that, that our hearts would be stirred today. And that the way that they would be stirred is they would be stirred to, to where, where Jesus, we, we just want to be more like you. That, that we would be willing to, to follow that. God, that we'd be willing to to put down what we need to lay down so that we can pick up what we need to pick up so that we can become more like Christ. Christ, is in your name we pray.